forever. Dog. Hello again on a lovely Friday. I am Gabe Gonzalez, and you're listening to the QWERTY Podcast, a weekly show from QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I'll be covering news, politics, and pop culture impacting the LGBTQ community. And I'll also invite a guest to come join me. We're going to hang out a bit, reflect on the week, on life, on the world, and just generally keep it cute in these trying times. This week, the Vatican says God can't bless gay marriages because they're sinful, which is rich coming from an institution that worships a confirmed bachelor with daddy issues who spent most of his time with a couple of Marys. But we've got more pressing news at stake. All right, there are other things happening we got to focus on. This week's headlines cover what Elliot Page had to say in his first lengthy interview since coming out, which celebrity judge supposedly canceled on Drag Race last minute, and why one school in Texas is flipping out over a children's book. Thankfully, it does not involve Dr. Seuss. Unfortunately, it does involve people being terrible. On the bright side, we've got a really incredible guest today, someone who you know from the stage, the screen, the podcast, the tweet, the original cast recording. He's been on shows like High Maintenance and starred in the Pulitzer-winning musical A Strange Loop. The hilarious, the multi-talented, the divine Larry Owens is here. I really can't wait. But first, we're going to talk about these headlines in a little segment we like to call Catch Her Up. All right, our first headline of the week, Elliot Page gives his first long-form interview since coming out as trans. In the interview, he talked about feeling gender dysphoria at the age of nine and how his career taking off uh, shortly thereafter made him feel like transitioning was out of the realm of possibility, like he had no control over his image. And he says it wasn't until the pandemic he had time for introspection and felt ready to come out. He also took time during the interview to call attention to the anti-trans legislation being proposed and in a few cases passed at the state level nationwide. Our second headline of the week, Rita Ora supposedly pulled out of Judging Drag Race UK last minute, causing the show to replace her with a mannequin. Wild how Rita Ora has been on several continents during the pandemic but couldn't make it to Drag Race. The 30-year-old singer allegedly pulled out from the episode which filmed last November due to a disagreement about her entourage. I wonder what that means. That sounds like a very diplomatic way of saying something shady. Producers had no time to book a replacement. It's a pandemic. It was very short notice. And this is according to an unnamed source who spoke to the Daily Mail. So the show's producers put together a a mannequin inspired by the EastEnders parody they were doing for the challenge, and they called it a day. I guess it worked. I watched the episode and I didn't mind. It was certainly off kilter, but not out of the usual for that show. Some people are saying they preferred the mannequin. I kind of wish they'd done what they did with Top Model and just popped Tyra Banks in when Rita Ora could not fulfill her duties. All right, finally, our last headline of the week. A school in Texas is freaking out over a book read by a fourth grade teacher. The book is called Call Me Max, and it's about a transgender boy going to school and making friends. The book's description says it's an age-appropriate introduction to what it means to be transgender. But now parents at the school have complained, uh, saying that the book was inappropriate for the teacher to have read in class. And the school says the book was not a part of an approved curriculum. They've also offered counseling to students who heard the story. And I'm all for offering students more comprehensive counseling in appropriate situations. But the author of this book had something to say about that. Kyle Lukoff, who is trans and a former elementary school librarian, who wrote in a public statement that he tweeted out, Do you believe that a read aloud about a transgender child is equivalent to trauma? 
How do you think transgender people in your community felt having their identities treated like a disaster? Do you provide similar resources after a student in your district experiences homophobia or transphobia? Crucial questions to ask. I'm very glad he got involved. Obviously, this week, there have been a lot more stories about what the trans community is going through nationwide. And, uh, you know, I've seen many trans writers also raise the valid point that not enough trans journalists and writers are, are being hired to cover these stories. So something to keep in mind and maybe think about critically when you're reading about that coverage, you know, myself included. But now we are done with the headlines. And it's time to move on to today's guest, who I'm really excited to talk to. We're going to rehash some more things that happened this week that maybe I talked about at the beginning of the show, and maybe I haven't. There's a lot. So our guest today is an actor, a singer, a comedian that is so dear to me. You have seen him on High Maintenance, Search Party, Dash and Lily, and soon you will see him on the second season of Modern Love. He's the winner of a Drama Desk Award and the Lucille Lortel Award for his performance in A Strange Loop. He is funny as hell. His voice is transcendent, and I'm really happy to have him joining us. Larry Owens is here. Larry, how how are you? Hi. Welcome today. How you doing? Oh my gosh, I'm doing. How are you? More You're doing. Yes, truly. The honest answer these days. I'm doing. I'm here. It's happening. Yes, in the <laughs> process of doing. You know, the verb to be, you know, it's infinitive. You know, the, it's called the infinitive. And yes. it really dropped into me um, what infinite, infinite means. It's just like, you just go on and on and on. And so, yeah, the stasis of the moment has really illuminated what it's like to be <laughs> infinitive. Yes, the stasis of the moment. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always forget if uh, the, about the infinitive in Spanish. That always confused me. Am I said or estar today? Oh, so many wow. possibilities. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you're taking me back to uh, <laughs> to uh, Rocio Mendizábal's uh, Spanish too. Yes, <laughs> honor Spanish too. I had a Spanish teacher. I felt like I was cheating taking Spanish in school, but she knew that I was really bad at grammar. So she would always quiz us on grammar. And her last name was also Gonzalez. So she was just like taking no prisoners with me, really just dragged me through it. First of all, we um, speak English in the U.S. natively. <laughs> and we we take that, you know, from the, the language arts from, I guess, like first grade on. So you're absolutely allowed to study the Spanish language. I grant you that permission as a non-Spanish speaker um, to study it and high school and not uh, feel self-conscious about it. Thank you. I did drop it for band uh, after a while. So, you know, you make some trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, Spanish and band were electives on the same level? I think it was just like a matter of scheduling. It was like, where can I squeak this in? And I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not making room for Spanish this year. What did you play in the um, band? I played the bassoon. I was a double reed gal. A reed gal, honestly. What? Just like a sensitive soulful instrument the sound of the bassoon it's like it's like deeper than a clarinet it's like a lighter than an oboe the bassoon yes. oh and it has doesn't have that like that metal tip it does it's got that metal bell at the bottom and and there's like a weird little bolt up top but you the, have the, the coat hanger reed that comes out yes it's so bizarre it sounds like a sturdy duck to me <laughs> oh sturdy duck yes yes very uh peter and the rabbit opera you know yeah, they peter did and the wolf right yeah. thank you thank you so much yeah i watched uh fantasia last week in, in a social distance with uh peter smith and yeah just like i mean if you want to talk about orchestrations, they have a, a like a trigger warning at the beginning of it, which is really fun for like watching <laughs> Fantasia. It's like, hey, we're, we're, we're about to show you this. 
Okay. This thing is going to be a little horrifying. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> they're like, watch out. Okay. Honestly, I've had some like very wild moments watching Fantasia. I had forgotten about what it felt like as a child. And I, I revisited it in college under interesting circumstances. And it took me on a journey. I don't know if I was buckled in for. You were on drugs. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that clicking Fantasia on the plus, um, as we're calling it right now, clicking Fantasia on the plus was my invitation to like go back to yeah, the youth of just like, oh, images and like cartoons and, and music, like very, very pure, you know, pure yes. and, and classical music. OK, go off. Yes. Larry, were you were you like a band nerd or maybe a choir, a show choir or chorus nerd in, in school? Yes, I was a concert choir in so that was in the block schedule. Mm-hmm. And then there was a cappella. So I'm actually currently, I'm, I'm right outside of D.C. in the town where I went to boarding school because I am going, I'm retreating back to my youth in a last-ditch effort to recover any sense of, you know, play, innocence, liveliness. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I remember at the time being really, you know, obviously like a lightning rod of emotions as we are in this moment, but also like having this blissful, this like blissful spirit that was just like, yeah, things are bad. And <laughs> right, it's Maria Von Trapp. Like, you know, like I have confidence in sun. I have confidence in rain. I have confidence that spring will come again. Like yes. besides what you see, which is like biblical, you know, she's a nun. Walk by faith, not by sight. So it's like, obviously things look horrifying right now, but that's not the truth. What you see isn't always true and, and that it can change actually in an instant. So I'm here to retrieve some of that. And so I'm near the locus, the place, location of, you know, where I was in concert choir. And so it was concert choir. Then there was acapella. There was men's acapella, the Jack of Hearts. There was women's acapella, the Episcopellas. And then there was the co-ed bum, bum group, which was called Maroon Tunes. And I was in the bum group because although I, you know, I could quote unquote sing, I realized literally yesterday, I was like, oh, Larry, you couldn't, you weren't in the elite acapella group because the point of acapella is to blend. And that was not something I was interested in whatsoever. (laughs) I was actually interested in the opposite of what blending is. (laughs) You were already on Ryan Murphy's Glee before that was a thing. You were like, I have the solo. You're all going to sit there and listen to me. Yes. A lot of these movements, you know, I'm just like, like one or two clicks like ahead, but like not because I'm actually, but because I skipped a grade. And so I like wasn't able to like come of age when like Lady Gaga was like, okay, being gay is fine now. <laughs> like Gaga literally was like, I'm not, but I love that you are. And she was, you know, the like blonde haired, blue eyed face of like, it's okay. 15 years after the puppy episode, we have Lady Gaga, Just Dance, uh, you know, which like was like, it's it's okay now. From Hilary Duff's That Skirt is an Ugly Top to Lady Gaga's It's Okay Now. We truly like our early years were (laughs) were full of (laughs) loaded messaging. Do you remember that ad with Hilary Duff? Wait, wait, no, what happened? What's with Hilary? She was like, there's some girls who are like, that's so, no, it's some women who are like trying on clothes in a store and they go, that's so gay in like a pejorative way. And Hilary Duff like pops out and is like do you know what you're saying when you say that that's actually not (laughs) cool 
And then on the way out, this girl's like wearing something ugly and Hillary Duff goes, I think she goes, how would you feel if I said that is so skirt as a top about something? Just like the worst. <laughs> it was just, it was okay. sublime. Like It's really? giving false equivalency, mm-hmm. but, but like nice job. And I think Hillary to this day actually is like one of the, like, you know, like the best kind of ally where you're like, oh, like I didn't even know that like, she was so down. But like, I think that like we didn't get the reboot on the plus beca- mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. they were like, there would be a gay person here. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, she would be surrounded by gay men, of course. She said, I think if we're being honest about like, updating this that like some like some person would not be like oh no i need to be married before 30 and like, <laughs> even though hillary represents that ideal as a person like again it's like the best type of ally it's not like there's a window in for me to want to care like she just was like <laughs> he, like she literally had like beautiful babies before 30 i know this because i follow her instagram yes! and she and like seeing her be a young mother is empowering to me <laughs> Like how much she loves being a mom and just her teeth are good. The hair is good. And she's a, she's the ally for me. (laughs) The teeth are good. The hair is good. The allyship is there. I love just hitting all the crucial points. Like evaluating her like an actual horse. The teeth, great. (laughs) The coat, great. And then she rides on to Marn and... Isn't that how all gay men are taught to evaluate the women in their lives at first? Oh, okay. Fighting back against well, that is a we're process. We're talking gay misogyny. <laughs> yes. We're talking oh, gay misogyny, the close cousin of gay misogynoir, which we oh, know. True. Yeah, yes. where, the, where the white men just vulture onto the black femaleness. Mm. Yeah. So gay misogynoir. I think that might be new. I think I, I was like, gay misogyny we had and misogynoir we had, but it's a portmanteau, more French, of <laughs> gay misogyny and misogynoir. You get gay noir. That sounds too beautiful for what it describes. I know, but it's, <laughs> it's so It's like a beautiful good. word and a terrible thing, but it is. You know what? Don't air this on Friday because I need to go and write that song. Do it. Yes. <laughs> I yes. was like, that's actually like, this is why I don't do podcasts is IP for free. <laughs> I was like, we're supposed to be riffing in real life, you know, in the right, yeah. green room of somewhere, gay but not you know, oh, over truly. Zoom. Yeah, think about that. Yeah. Well, actually, I, that's something I wanted to ask you about. You're you are the live performer. I like just you're everywhere and you're doing so many fun things. And I just love seeing you live. I love hearing your voice. I love watching you do comedy. I love hearing your Bernadette Peters with that deranged wig. How? <laughs> One of the better wigs, actually, of the set. Interesting note. But OK, yeah, thank you. I'm hearing the compliment in it. Thank it's you. It's a strong <laughs> wig. It is. It's deranged in the right way, the best way. We're not talking shaking can go deranged we're talking like uncanny too close (laughs) how are you kind of i guess god this is such a loaded question but how are you staying creatively fulfilled like what is kind of maybe filling that gap for you real g's move in silence so just like stay tuned like you're right i am the live girl and so yeah i'm just you know this is a time of just like understanding and knowing patience because there's like a really, really good, it's, co- it's almost like edging if the audience knows what, what that could even be. Um, uh, and I'm not going to define it for you, but it's like edging Google, if, yes. if the audience knows um, a little bit of what that could possibly be. And so for me, I am doing, <laughs> you know, I'm like a year into, uh, you know, the sort of creative live performance, communication, blissful two-way street, give and take, mirror reflecting a mirror, cathartic, explosive, created, never to be seen before, uh, afraid to reference or not reference experience of live performance. So if the audience knows what edging is, that's my big takeaway on 
that experience. We're creatively edging right now. I think that's a really good way to describe it. I mean, once the vax dropped, it's like that painful part where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, you can you either go to the hospital or like, you know, see stars. Yes. And so, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, literally, like, literally. And so, you know, if people know what edging is, then that it was sort of a play on that. I hope we haven't. <laughs> we haven't shattered anyone's naivete about that word here. But yeah, I feel that. Coping, dealing, obviously, you know, doing audio stuff. Someone invited me to do a Clubhouse show, and I realized I couldn't download it on my phone because I have an Android. Yeah, Clubhouse is, is stealing data. Like, the Clubhouse data is going immediately to Boris and Natasha. Like, it is, <laughs> like, it is giving me, like, I because, you know, like, I'm... Uh, for those listening at home uh, who may only know me from podcasting, I'm black. And so we get every trend first. Like I, I'm celebrating 12 <laughs> years on Twitter, which is insane, which is like, which is so, so stupid. Yeah. So like I had the clubhouse beta. I just, I was like, you know, too much now. Like you have, you have every, what did I just sign away? Like, it was like, <laughs> it was such an invasive little agreement. There's going to be like a full Russian translation of a strange loop in like the next two weeks. And you're going to be like, how did this happen? How did Actually, we get here? The, the script is available. Uh, TCG published the script and. It's really beautiful. So now they can pay for it and download it. Beautiful. Yeah, like you can read it. You can do your own translation. I love that yes. this is like giving Chekhov. It's like the, the, the translation of the Strange <laughs> yes. Loop, which, like, if you know the theory of that, the Strange Loop is like very fun. <laughs> okay, this is a fantastic place to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about musical theater, more about a Strange Loop, and also maybe take us back to some memories. So we'll be right back with Larry Owens. And we're back with our amazing guest today, Larry Owens, back on the Critty Podcast. I want to ask if you remember like a few firsts. I want to go back to like the origin story. Do you remember the first musical you were ever cast in way back elementary, middle school, maybe? Uh, I'll just I'll just tell the story of doing Oliver with Caroline Calloway. She, <laughs> we went to high school together and she was Oliver. And, I, and I know that she's going to use this clip in her next Instagram post. So <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm giving a little platform to her on the queer tea uh, um, right now. Yeah, we did a production of Oliver together. And, you know, I was playing good old fat, grotesque Mr. Bumble. But actually, they rented like a period appropriate outfit. And so it was like boy drag a little bit. You know, you get like a big cave, the gold buttons, you get that hat. <laughs> so I like, I, I was like, I'll do stage makeup for this. And so like I drew on just like absolute 2015 influencer brow. <laughs> Ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve, yes. And actually, I I liked I liked that role, Mr. Bumble and Oliver, because there's a song is called "Boy for Sale," and I literally got to like sell Caroline Calloway on the streets, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like and like what now would be you know like a Jordan Peele like Jordan Peele Oliver live like <laughs> racial distillation of the text. I was like, but it's a very like belty song secretly. So I was like, boy, boy for sale. <laughs> he's going cheat like popping it like you know he's supposed to be like he's going he's supposed to be like legit but I was like he's going cheap I only seven guineas 
And that on there about, like, I was just like going crazy. It's a celebration. You're having a blast. I love that. <laughs> I was having too much fun for the moment. For what Lionel Bart, the author, wrote, okay? Respect book writer, lyricists, and composers. I think that Lionel Bart did all three for that. So, musical theater gaze at me if I'm wrong, but I think that Lionel Bart did it all. But yeah, I, you know, I was betraying the moment by uh, highlighting self in, you know, an adolescent <laughs> display of high school theater. Which is like, if I could do anything right now, it would be see a high school show. It would be see a high school show. It would be see a community theater production of Follies with like people who are like the actual age. Probably demands a polish. But like, if you imagine like the same like immaculate writing of Stephen Sondheim's Follies, but like done it with the sort of like cinema verite, uh, husband of Greta Gerwig. Oh, Baumbach. <laughs> yeah, with like yes. <laughs> identifying a male director by his wife obsessed. <laughs> That's what we're doing in 2021. That's happening. Oh my, yes. God. Oh my God. I was like, Greta, Greta what's, what's Gerwig's husband's name? Ah, uh, yes. Done with the hyperrealism and starkness of Baumbach. <laughs> but it's like at a community theater, and these are like 80-year-old women like singing, I'm still here. Like, yes. After coronavirus. It's more IP I'm giving. I have to stop it. This is why I don't do these pods. It's true. That is slippery. That's an idea you got to run away with. But reminds me of, you were talking about The Plus. What's that show um, where encore? they do encore. Yes, oh my god, this is my ministry. Encore is my ministry. Encore. Oh my god, it's I've I've cried so much watching that show. It's unbelievable. I show it to people and then like watch them watch it <laughs> and like watch the cogs of the beats land, and it's like so fun. There's a certain order that I play it in because like their release order isn't necessarily the window in order for like people that I know. It's more of like a middle of America, but I, I like show a particular sequence of Plus Encore uh, hosted by Kristen Bell and it always lands. It's so good. This show, high school theater casts. So people who knew each other when they were 14 through 18, they come back as adults to do Beauty and the Beast or <laughs> Annie Get Your God or Godspell as like 30-somethings, 40-somethings. And, you know, like, is it creepy to watch a 55-year-old woman play Annie and Pepper in Annie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is disturbing, but there's like a process of building a musical and the process of becoming a cast and gelling as an ensemble and maybe in kind of what I'm doing now metatheatrically in my life is like revisiting that younger self mm. and reclaiming the pure parts of that that get beaten out by a particular style, I think, of like mm. American adulthood that mm -hmm. just like does not work for people in my generation and after. The expectations, like the fact that like, you know, it's been a year inside and to not have a spouse, like there's like never been a pandemic time where like people, you know, like aren't meant to be coupled. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you imagine the Spanish flu, people are like seven and eight to a room, which is a nightmare, but also like you don't go through it alone. And so... Yeah, I'm like trying to like reclaim some of that. Um, we're talking about Encore. <laughs> yes, but that's, I mean, honestly, I think that's the spirit. The fact that this entered our lives during the pandemic could not have been more perfectly timed, right? That we are all kind of immersing ourselves and revisiting these pure, if not somewhat nostalgic moments and just kind of like, I don't know, reveling in the comfort of that. But then there is something unsettling about watching someone else do that in the context of that show. 
It's chaos. It's a chaotic premise. Yeah, there's uh, so sometimes if they don't have enough returning cast members to fill out the musical, they'll bring in uh, <laughs> what they call them pros. They're like, so these are like like theater professionals in the area of like where they're shooting, like actors from that region. And they come in and they bolster this production. And like, I want to do it. I want to know what the casting process is. And I want to do one of their productions. <laughs> like, I want you know, like being like a, like a part of like the very modern in the moment version of theater to just go back to like and play a spoon to play a spoon yes, in like yes. 2022 and with like zero <laughs> stakes. Like the times isn't coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Helen Shaw's not coming to see me play the spoon. <laughs> but like I get to hold down that tenor one part and do be our guest for a weekend. Like it is a dream. Who came for this? Who clicked on the podcast for this? Everybody, once they find out, we're talking about the tenor spoon part in Beauty and the Beast. They know. (laughs) They know. Let me tell you, I've been a baritone since the age of 12. I auditioned so many times for the Baker, three three separate occasions. I was told I did not have the range for it. um, And I was always given the mysterious man. That's like the one traumatic theater memory. Yeah, that's going to be good casting. The narrator. And then in high school, I got to wear a turtleneck while I was playing the narrator in Into the Woods. And that was... The queer subtext. Okay, very Sydney Washington. Yeah, yes. Sydney was actually on the show. We were talking about how the last time I saw her was your and Karen Chi's show at Union Hall. Yes, just such a beautiful memory. That was so much fun. I know. Can you imagine? I know. Can you? Can you imagine? I want to bring Encore to like Brooklyn and maybe just have random people in their late twenties and early thirties redo musicals they did in high school. That sort of was the concept behind my podcast, which yes. is on the Forever Dog Network, called "What Makes You Sing" with Larry Owens, and it's available now on Spotify and iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. And I just like would have guests on, and we would just talk through. <laughs> I would ask them like, "What is the?" You know, the seminal question was. What is the music that made you? And then everyone has a unique reaction. It's either like driving in the car, your first school play, like we were talking mm-hmm. about, or mm-hmm. like that high school album, or like what they're listening to the day before. And uh, James Harvey, the intrepid James Harvey on the keys, would just like fly into the song. So yes. we're talking, that we're singing, that like we're crying and catharsising. And it's literally about like unlocking that version of yourself that sang first before you knew like whether or not you could whether you know what i mean like how loud to sing what was appropriate what music was cool not cool but just to like find locate that place in the self and Mm. to release it with abandon and and for joy and and to see what was there to see what is there yeah so what makes you sing was uh my version of like encore and so, uh, yeah, I feel like that's a, it's like a beat that I want to continue to develop. And when you see a human being, you know, you're in driving in the car, you're at karaoke, you're at church, whatever it is, you know what I mean? You're a protest, a football game, and like people are singing and they light up with joy. Yeah. And, and someone that you know, being like so close and like just seeing that shift from speaking to expressing through music, the joy accessed is not defined by how good you are (laughs) it's defined by how much you're willing to abandon absolutely and you you were recording those live that's i guess part of the reason you had to put pause on that right Uh, yeah you can't do you can't do that type of (laughs) 
work online yeah no, at truly. all like you just can't sing concurrently you can't harmonize over zoom so you know like so much of my life is music making and so it's been incredibly difficult in that respect to create music where like i you know henry kapersky who is you know the the musical genius yes. behind a lot of the music you hear in the comedy community as it were you know in the before times i would take a like a little train ride up to hudson yeah. and like sit in the room bring my lyrics and like <laughs> after the two and a half hours i have five songs and <laughs> yes. then over zoom we can't even like get a rhythm going because there's a there's a delay and it's so wild that like that is being bottled up right now also that like <laughs> one of my uh more macabre jokes from uh early pan pan early pandem was like, early pan pan. like <laughs> i was like isn't it amazing that one of the most deadliest acts you can do in corona is sing in a group <laughs> which is which is my favorite thing in the world <laughs> <laughs> But like it is like particularly what is like droplets are the are the foe. It's like the droplets. Dro like droplets are the foe. And when you sing, you release so many droplets. <laughs> it was like the one like if there's if you're gonna do anything with another human, what we're not gonna be doing is going, oh, oh you know, <laughs> you're like, no. You will surely die. You will surely die. If you sing in a group, this is the Corona droplets in a room after five minutes at a choir rehearsal. And it's like red. It's giving Sweeney Todd backdrop. Yes, this is the musical theater episode. Okay. So yes. all you sports fitness finance gays next week. Okay. And send in a review. Thanks. Oh God. I think I've, I've scorched any path they might've taken to find this podcast, but if they do, hopefully they get something out of it. Oh my God, man. We are really, we're living in like the silent Buffy episode right now. You're so right. That was a great episode, but I hate this. I'm not enjoying it. <sighs> okay, Larry, before we finish this episode, I have something I want to ask you about. And then I have a little game I want to play with you. The game is called Queerly Beloved, and we will get to that soon. But before we go, the pod powers that be enjoy talking about current events. People want to hear about it. People want to know. And we are in the we're like knee deep, if not higher in award season right now. We've got Grammys. We've got Oscar nominations. I don't want to jinx anything. But when I think of friends who are future EGOT winners, you are a name that comes to mind. So I want to know, how are you feeling about award season? Is it something you are engaging with and having fun with? Does it feel like a weird distraction? Does it make you feel feelings as an artist? What's your general relation to this period of televised award season we're living through right now? I applaud everyone doing their best to make these things go off really, really smoothly and all the artists who've had to adapt as well. That was such a Beyonce answer. I love that. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I feel like more people are talking about those events maybe now than they usually would. Maybe that's my perception of it, but I feel like, I don't know, there are a few sort of like cultural events to rally around surrounding the arts. So yeah, a friend was commenting on the person at the awards and I was like, well, that person was there and and they, they knew that they were going to be a meme. They're like, they knew that at some moment, something was going to, because that's just what we do. Like we watch the show, there's a cultural moment you know, it trends and then we get a new one at the next event. So in that way, I think it went like clockwork. It was the meme factory and it, it flows ever onward. Well, Larry, thank you so much for joining us. And before before we make you plug your socials, before we say goodbye and bid adieu, which uh, I'm really sad to do, I want to play a little game with you, a new game that we were introducing to the pod. We played it last week with Miss Coco Peru, and it's called Queerly Beloved. And the way this game works is that um, we're going to ask you to celebrate a person, place, or thing that was once popular but is no longer that you think should have a place in the world. So, Larry, I would love to hear what that thing is for you. And in about a minute, a few reasons why it needs to come back. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. All I can think of more ephemeral things like let's bring back like a belief in God. Like I know that it was so fun to be agnost and eighth and, and to question, but like I really do think that there's an order to things and that like there is an energy source that you can label as so many things. But please just like find something and and let it speak to you and guide you and positivity and when negativity comes let it help you to remind you of the positivity i think that it's so useful obviously in conjunction with a counselor medication if you need it uh, all sorts of support groups and just like community and like tangible people and things and self-care of course like we're gonna add to all of that wellness like a connection to something that is 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 beyond uh physical form and could be spirit and could unite us all and uh through that presence and energy let us look to each other with love i love that all right that's what's happening we are bringing back belief in a higher power belief in god give it up for pastor larry owens for that beautiful sermon thank you i used to be a lector at church it's bringing me back The that homily. was a weird time. The homily, yes. Our homily was actually um, a musical, also a musical theater fan. His name was Father Brian, and he came from Massachusetts, and he sang show tunes during his homily. It was really beautiful. I feel like my life is coming full circle now. This is my encore. <laughs> Larry, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so thankful for your time. I'm so thankful for your insight. I'm very excited to see the things that are coming up, that we are waiting, moving in silence, but also anticipating, creatively edging. And uh, before I let you go, I would like to let our guests know where they can find you, your socials, your website, where they can see you, projects coming up. Talk to us, Larry. <laughs> yeah, sure. Follow me online at Larry Owens Live. Perfect. We love that. And please make sure to support the Queerty Podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review our show right now. Wherever you get your podcast, we've got some really incredible guests, and I'm so happy that we could add Larry to that slate. And as always, you can get your Queerty fix every day at Queerty.com. Thanks so much for joining us. QWERTY has been a joint production between Forever Dog and Q Digital. QWERTY is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lonnie Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Motz. Forever! <laughs>